Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. My mom is the most outgoing person I have met. Everyone loves her. She is such a big personality. The one thing, though, that I've been concerned about over the last couple of months is that she's having trouble reentering society. CNN anchor and my friend, Don Lemon, says his mom has barely left her home since the pandemic began. She's really having issues with it. And I had never seen that part of her personality. There was a fear in my mother that I sensed and that I heard from her that I had never heard from her before. And I noticed that she didn't seem young and sharp anymore. She seemed like an old lady. That was concerning to me. Don wanted to help his mom get out of her house and back into her old lively routines. But he also knew it was going to be hard to get her on board. She's been double vaccinated since January. And I've been trying to get her to come here. I'd say, Mom, when are you coming to visit? I'm going to come visit when Dr. Fauci tells me I can visit. I'm going to come visit when Dr. Gupta tells me I can come visit. So I reached out to Dr. Gupta and I said, Sanjay, I need some help with my mom. And that is the inspiration in part for today's show. On this episode, I'm going to try and help Don. And in the process, explore how we can all support the older adults in our lives right now. After more than a year of older Americans being told they were especially vulnerable to the virus and that they should stay home and avoid contact with others, frankly, it's understandable why so many of them now are a little unsure about what the safest course of action really is. There's a lot we can do to ensure our older friends and family are not merely surviving, but also thriving. So, call up your older loved ones, and let's help them start chasing life again. Like Don, many of us have spent the last year and a half waiting to see our friends and family. And one of the strange things about waiting so long is that when people finally do reunite, they look different. All the gradual changes that were imperceptible when we were seeing each other on a regular basis, well, they all add up. And it can be surprising. So some people have been asking, has the pandemic actually sped up aging? My feet are unbelievably different now than they were before. I have difficulty in the morning getting up out of bed. It takes me a really long time. I literally come down the stairs, like, hanging onto the railings. But it's like it happened overnight. For me, it was a lost year. And when you get to be older, there aren't that many years left. And so it's hard to... uh, so not feel that you've sort of lost it and you can't make it up at that point. Um, but the silver lining on this for me was that I got to spend a lot of time with my adult children and get to know them better and appreciate them more and love them even more. During the pandemic, I went the longest I've ever gone without seeing my parents. And so then when I finally did see them after eight months apart and I got to hug my mom and dad, 
I was so happy on the one hand, but also kind of alarmed to see that they're really getting older. When this pandemic is over and I can once again take my mother out, we've decided that I would rent a convertible and no matter what the weather, we are putting that top down, heading to Dairy Queen and hitting the open back roads of Kentucky. This past year and a half has been hard on all of us. But the older adults, they're the ones who have faced a specific set of hardships. I've been really interested in trying to understand what their lives have really been like, what's affected them the most, and how can we best support them now. In order to do that, I caught up with an old college friend of mine, Dr. Preeti Malani. I look forward to a time when we're not talking about COVID. (laughs) We're talking about the Wolverines or something, you know. (laughs) Do you think that you and I could be at a football game together this fall? You know, barring some unusual thing happening, I'm hopeful that we'll be at the big house cheering on our Wolverines, hopefully to a victory. That I, that I don't know about. <laughs> you can't guarantee that part of things. <laughs> Dr. Milani and I went to the University of Michigan together. And these days, she's back at her alma mater as their chief health officer and a professor of medicine. But the real reason I wanted to talk to her today is that she's also an expert in geriatrics. That is the care of older adults. And even before the pandemic, she was directing the National Poll on Healthy Aging, a recurring household survey that asks older Americans how they're faring, both mentally and physically. We actually did a few specific polls during the pandemic on loneliness and social isolation. And we had polled on this back in 2018, And at that point, numbers were like 34% felt a lack of companionship, 27% felt isolated from others. And those numbers almost doubled during the pandemic. As you know, I haven't seen my parents in in quite some time now, and I'm going to see them (laughs) this summer. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just curious, you know, we've been FaceTiming, so I've seen their, their faces and stuff like that. But everyone that I talk to who is seeing their parents or grandparents again for the first time in a while has commented that they aged a lot. And I know that this last year has felt like a decade, but, you know, we always think of aging as this linear sort of concept. But what what do you think is going on there? Are, Are people aging more quickly as a result of the stress and isolation? I believe they are. You know, there's this moment where all of a sudden, you know, you do look at your own parents and you think, wow, when when did you become older? Because you, you know, you just, they've always been there for you, taking care of you in their own way, right? Yeah. And um, I think uh, this has been an extraordinarily difficult year for people. And the, the physical activity, the isolation uh, has aged people. I believe that it has not been linear. You know, it's not just the stress on you emotionally. It's also uh, the lack of physical activity it's to some extent that you're not eating well. It's that um, you're watching TV a lot because you're not doing other things, right? You know, people were afraid to even be outside at all, you know? And, and what I talk about is like every day you got to do something good for your brain, something good for your heart, like your soul, and something good for your body. And just getting outside and getting some fresh air with a neighbor and going for a walk and having a conversation it's all of those. What have you seen to be the most challenging aspect for older adults specifically? You know, people talk about that anxiety and that worry and the sadness. We've also had uh, 
increases in depression and anxiety and poor sleep. What we did find, though, is that there were some bright spots, Mm. is that people were interacting more with people in their neighborhood, you know, and the ones that were doing well were finding ways to have conversations like from their driveway and, and things like that. So I think the take home message is really paying attention to how to address people's social and emotional well-being at a public health level. It's not just I need you to go out and be physically active, but who are you having dinner with? You know, who are you playing bridge with? I know your parents love to play bridge. It's like, (laughs) what about giving to others, that idea of volunteerism? And a lot of those things have suffered during the pandemic because this idea that older adults were at the highest risk of poor outcomes, which, you know, came to us very early, really put them in a different space. And if you remember, it's hard to remember last year, but it was like, if you're 60 and above, you shouldn't go out. Right, right. You know, part of me has often wondered if the data initially came back and said that it was primarily young people who were at risk, right, as opposed to older people, would we have responded differently? And if so, what does that say about us as a country? Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting that you say that because the fact that it was um, the epicenter was in the nursing homes early on and then it was older adults more broadly in the community did change our approach. And early on, especially when it was, you know, dozens of nursing home deaths in New York State and Washington State, some people said, who cares? This is just the flu. It's not serious. I remember catching myself a couple times on television where, you know, the conversation would sort of veer towards some version of, well, at least this only affects people who are elderly. And I remember thinking, my parents are watching right now. At least this only affects people who are elderly. I just found it very devaluing of their lives. You know, when I remember talking to my parents, they would say things like, you know, I really hope we can see you this summer. I think maybe, you know, we only have five or six more opportunities to really do this. They would say stuff like that. And it was heartbreaking. It was like really tough. Did you experience that as well? Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because both my parents and my in-laws live locally and uh, we all, we went weeks without seeing them in person, though. And the tragedy of this is that people who did get sick were often sick alone. Families were sidelined and that they couldn't be there. And even if it was not a COVID related reason in the hospital, people couldn't be there with their loved ones. And so there's so much grief and loss and tragedy here that's going to take us years to unpack it. But I can see where When you sit at home and watch TV and just hear about COVID all day, you know, it's hard to look forward to anything, I guess. After the break, how the social isolation of the last year and a half may have impacted our brains and how one of the best ways to help older adults might actually be to sit, listen, and learn from them. And now back to Chasing Life. You know, I've been thinking a lot about what our much-anticipated reunions with loved ones might mean from a scientific perspective. We know that we need social connection to thrive. That's no surprise, especially when it comes to our health. Studies have shown people with fewer social connections, they're more likely to have disrupted sleep patterns, altered immune systems. They also experience more inflammation and higher levels of stress hormones. We believe these things to be true for a long time, but it's only recently that we see the data 
proving it to be true. One study found that isolation increased the risk of heart disease by 29% and a stroke by 32%. Imagine that. Social isolation. There have been plenty of other studies which have found links between social isolation and cognitive decline, as measured by things like memory issues and loss of verbal fluency. You just don't speak as clearly as you used to. Our connections with others do a lot. But perhaps most importantly, they give us sense of purpose. And that's important. Over the past two decades, dozens of studies have shown that older people with a sense of purpose are less likely to develop a slew of ailments, from Alzheimer's to heart attacks to strokes. So it may be sense of purpose overall that is the greatest benefit from actually connecting to people. In fact, feeling that you have a purpose in life right now might reduce your risk of future dementia by up to 20%. And one way to contribute to an older adult's sense of purpose is to tap into their lifetime of knowledge and experience and, well, ask them for help. Ask them for advice. When the pandemic hit, researchers at Cornell University did just that. We created a website, invited people to respond, and we reached out as well to organizations of younger people, saying, go and interview your grandmother or an older person and submit their advice. Carl Pillemer is a professor of gerontology and medicine at Cornell's medical school. He's also the founder of the Cornell Crisis Advice Project. That's a website that publishes practical advice from people in their 80s, their 90s, even their 100s. They give advice on how to get through incredibly difficult times. We started quite early in the pandemic, at least as soon as we realized that some of the problems that were happening are ones that older people had experienced. I mean, talk to an older person who lived through the Blitz in London in World War II about being stuck indoors and being afraid all the time. Talk to someone in the Great Depression about empty um, supermarket shelves. Pillemer got the initial idea for the project after 25 years of practicing gerontology. And the notion hit me that almost all of my work was focused on older people as problems and the problems of older people. So I was studying things like chronic pain in older people, elder abuse, problems of caregiving. I was really treating older people as sick, isolated, lonely. I began to realize that was much too narrow a view. Older people I was meeting and also studies about older people showed how resilient older people are, how they tend to be happier than younger people. I asked myself basically, what's that all about? What do older people know about getting through life's major crises and problems and difficulties that younger people don't? Once he got the word out about his project, the advice started pouring in from all over the country and ranged from the practical to the profound. So one of their strongest lessons is that this will be over, life will go on, and what's important is how you live through it. They want you to think about what your narrative is going to be like. Did you behave warm-heartedly? Were you generous? Did you think about doing things not to protect yourself, but to protect other people? In the older world's view, people who get a vaccination or wear a mask not for their own protection, but because it's a generous way to help others, are likely to have a much better narrative. It's a great reminder that the older adults in our lives 
are this incredible resource for us all to learn from. If they were honest, many younger people at one point or another asked themselves the question, what are older people good for? Why are they here and what can they offer us? And what they can offer, even if they can't tell you about the latest reality TV show or how to program, you know, the DVR, they're the best experts we have on living well through hard times. They are literally the real experts because they've done it. So I wanted to make sure that we didn't waste that vast resource and ignore this practical wisdom that can really help younger people going forward. While the project was meant to help younger people, it also benefited those who were offering the wisdom. It's extremely beneficial for older people to be treated as the sages that they are, to be restored to this position of having valuable life wisdom that can be passed on to future generations. It creates in older people a feeling of what psychologists call generativity. It lets them offer something to future generations and to help a future that they themselves may not live to see. As more and more of us start planning those long overdue reunions with older family members, I wanted to ask Dr. Milani about how to help our parents and grandparents get back into the swing of things. I'm already traveling for work. I'm already going out to dinner. But will older adults have that same pace of rebound? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I think it really varies on people. And I think you can help with reassurance. Uh, something I've told my own parents, my own family, all pandemic long, is to think about what you can do and not what you can't do. Don Lemon, who's one of our anchors, he had me call his mom the other day because he wants his mom to come visit him. And she lives in Louisiana. He lives in New York. And she's like, I'm not doing it. I've been vaccinated, but I'm scared. So he has me call her, you know, as, as a doctor and, and you know, someone that she knows. And, um, you know, we have a really interesting conversation, but I'm hearing that a lot. There are people who are still really scared. What do you say? What do you say to them? Well, you know, part of it is meeting them where they are and trying to understand what they're concerned about. And then, you know, maybe you can add additional layers for them, too. You know, that maybe Don gets tested before his mom visits, for example, and limit your activity. You could sort of do an enhanced social distancing for a couple of weeks. It is going to take people longer. I see people saying, this is too fast. I'm not ready. It's like, OK, why are you not ready? OK, what can we do? Can you meet your neighbor outside for a drink or for, for lunch? OK, did that go OK? OK, how about this? And my feeling is, if anything, that it, it, it's that the pandemic has also taught us that we might not get that second chance to do some of this, some of these things and that being present is also part of being well. Let's say you and your parents and me and my parents, let's say we all get together next year. That'd be a good dream and a good thing to do. That'd be great, um, yeah. What do, you, do you think we'll be talking about COVID? Do you think life will feel normal? I mean, is, are they going to bounce back? I'm talking about our parents specifically here. Do you think they're, they're going to bounce back and catch up with some of what they've lost this year? You know, I, I do. I, will they catch up completely? I'm not sure. Um, but I do think they're going to bounce back. I know your parents, obviously know my parents. Um, I, they're resilient people. Uh, they're smart people. And, uh, you know, you're never too old to try new challenges and to, to learn new things and, you know, meet new people or reconnect with people that you haven't seen 
And so my hope is, is that a year from now, their lives are looking more like their pre-pandemic lives than their lives look right now. I'm going to see my parents after a long time. And I'm just wondering, what do you think that's going to be like? I think it's going to be pretty emotional for you and for them. There'll be some tears, <laughs> I, I think. Um, happy tears. I'm getting teary-eyed now, just you saying I know. that. I'm thinking about it, too. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. But I'm, I'm so glad, though, that you are going to get to see them soon. The uncertainty and the grief and the loss that we have felt, the antidote to that is togetherness. Have a great time. Um, your mom might want to cook stuff. Let her cook. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was yeah. But say. like, let them do it because if they want to go out and like, you know, tend to the garden or whatever, let them do it. You know, don't put limits on them, is what I would say. And and just have so much, have a fun time. You also need a break. Reuniting with the older adults in our lives is such a gift. I know it has always been the case for me. In fact, I just got back from a family reunion with my parents, and you know what? Preeti was right. My mom did want to cook for me. We are in Charleston, South Carolina, with the family. It's a great time cooking nice breakfast with fresh mangoes from uh, Florida. And my dad, as usual, he talked about the weather. We are very happy. We just survived this uh, tropical storm. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happened here. Little rain, that's all. All in all, it was great to spend that time together as a family. It's definitely something I'd been missing over the past year and a half, even more than I realized. My little brother was there as well, with his wife and kids. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that, you know, it could be your last time hanging out with somebody. And so I think reconnecting with family and just knowing full well that, hey, we can't take these times for granted and we, we, we have to enjoy them while they last. It just brought me much more into the present with mom and dad and my hope is that we get to do it again. But I know that we made this one count. If you're reuniting with your loved ones, keep in mind something Professor Pillimer said. One of the best things you can do to support them is to listen, to ask them about their experiences, get their advice. Remember, they are a treasure trove of wisdom, and they like to dispense it especially to their kids and their grandkids. Another thing I'd recommend is setting realistic expectations for these reunions. Our parents and our grandparents may have changed since we saw them last. Their faces may look different. They may look like they have aged. They may have changed in ways you weren't expecting. They may have a harder time doing the things that once came easily to them. Or they may be hesitant to engage in activities they used to love. Expect that. Don't be surprised by it. Try to be patient. Meet them where they are. And most important of all, savor your time together. Well, that does it for season one of Chasing Life. Thank you to our listeners for joining us each week. For now, the team and I are going to take a small break, but we'll be back with season two in September. If you have ideas for the next season, questions you want answered, please keep them coming. Record your thoughts, as always, as a voice memo, and then email it to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them in next season's podcast. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you back here soon so we can continue chasing life together.
Chasing Life is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is executive producer. Zoe Saunders is the senior producer. This episode was produced by Rachel Cohn, Jordan Gosperé, Paige Sutherland, Audrey Horwitz, and Grace Walker. Our medical writer is Andrea Kane. Tommy Bazarian is our engineer. And a special thanks to Ben Tinker and Amanda Seeley of CNN Health, as well as Ashley Lusk, Rafina Ahmad, Courtney Coop, and Daniel Cantor from CNN Audio. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.